welcome to the Fertility Conversations podcast. The goal of this podcast is to create more awareness about infertility and to provide support to people trying to conceive. Thank you for listening today, and we hope you will be encouraged. And now, here is your host, Ola. Welcome to another episode of Fertility Conversations. Today, we're joined by a lovely guest, Nadine Williams. Nadine works with uh, PACT, which is an adoption agency in the UK. She joins us today to educate us on the adoption process and the role that PACT plays in the adoption process in the UK. So welcome, Nadine, and thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yay, thanks for being here. Uh, So we usually start off by saying, tell us a little bit about yourself, as much or as little as you want to say. Okay, Um, so I'm a qualified social worker. I qualified in 2005 um, and initially kind of spent 10 years doing working in safeguarding in the frontline social work teams um, and also doing therapeutic work with children and families and unaccompanied asylum seeking minors. Um, I then uh, moved to PACT where I've worked for eight years as a senior social worker. And I also do independent work um, in birth records counselling and also some inter-country adoption work. Well, okay. Um, And of course, you mentioned that you currently work with PAC now, which is what I wanted to speak about today. So can you tell us for anyone listening what PAC is about and what you do? Yeah, so PACT um, stands for Parents and Children Together, and we're a voluntary adoption agency um, founded in the 1900s. Um, So PACT's role is to find, train and prepare um, and support people from across the South East who want to become parents through adoption. Um, And as a registered charity, we don't hold children within the charity, but we work closely alongside uh, regional adoption agencies and local authorities to place children with our adoptive parents. Um, We specialize in harder to place children. So that would include sibling groups of two and three, older children, which are over the age of three, children of black minority ethnic and dual heritage um, backgrounds and children with additional needs. Right, thank you for sharing that. And you mentioned that uh, part of what PAC does is focuses on children that are hard to place. Um, which, of course, you noted the older children and um, children of minority groups. Uh, Can you tell us a bit more, uh, for anyone listening, um, how they can support in this aspect, or is there a specific reason why uh, this group of children are harder to place? Um, they're, They're generally harder to place, I think, because... Typically adopters, um, their view is prior to kind of doing our training and things, that the younger a child, um, the easier they are to manage. And this, you know, it can be true in in some instances, a baby, um, the fundamental care of a baby can be um, easier than than an older child. So older children typically wait longer. But in saying that, um, you know, with a younger child, we're just not aware developmentally of how they may progress. So, for example, a baby that's born um, withdrawing from drugs um, that it was exposed to in utero, professionals haven't had time to assess the needs of that child and developmentally and and health needs. Whereas an older child, um, 
you know, they, they've had more assessments, they've had more, more medical assessments. So we're right. more aware of their needs and their behaviours. Okay, that's really good to know because again, like you said, people always assume that the younger a child, the easier it is to adapt them to a new home or family. Uh, so thank you for sharing. Uh, and for anyone looking to adopt in the UK, uh, can you share some information about the process, maybe just a bit about it? Because I think oftentimes people are not even aware of what needs to be done if they're thinking of adopting a child or children. Yeah, sure. So the, the adoption process is split into two stages, stage one and stage two. Um, and stage one is really adopter led. So it, it consists of kind of administrative tasks. For example, mm -hmm. we'd ask that you have a medical examination with your GP. And that would be signed off by um, and reviewed by our medical advisor. Um, you'd also have other checks in stage one, which um, include DBS checks, which is um, police checks, um, employer references, personal references, those kinds of things. Um, it's typically done over the two month period. That's we aim to get it done within two months. Um, and then you'd move on to stage two, which is the home study. And that's done over a period of four months. Um, and that's when the social worker, you should be allocated a social worker in stage one, which will take you through the whole process. But your social worker in stage two will then complete your assessment, which um, uh, is called your prospective adopters report. And we do that over five to eight sessions, which are up to two hours long. And it really kind of looks at all areas of your life, your history, your relationships, um, your experience of, child, of children, childcare. Um, and that really, is the report that then gets you approved at our uh, approval panel and will also be used to link you with children that are available for adoption. Okay and this I mean from what you said uh, there's the, the sections in part two and the stage one as well uh, it doesn't sound like such a long time uh, in terms of the whole process but then oftentimes people still say that the adoption process is quite uh, difficult. Uh, are there reasons in your opinion why uh, it might be difficult or what things people can do to ensure that the process might be as smooth as possible? Um, adoption is, is thought of as a difficult process. In, in some regards it needs to be um, because we're placing really, really vulnerable children that have come from extremely difficult backgrounds, backgrounds of abuse and neglect. So the assessment is um, can be quite quite in, in depth well it is very in depth and some people can find that intrusive but it's only as intrusive as it needs to be and the reasons right. for that really are to to ensure that we're matching adopters with children that they can you know the children that they can meet those needs of mm. um i think in order to kind of to make the process easier there's there's things that we do so we'd ask adopters to do homework before the home study before each kind of session and that just consists of telling us a bit about themselves um, about their experiences so that we you know it shortens the session the assessment session if we've got information prior right in terms of kind of stage one and speeding that up it's really about talking to their references and asking them to to submit those as early as possible um, because we will visit those references and and interview them um, and just we work we work very much in partnership with our adopters and we support them through the whole of the process to make it as easy for them as possible Right. Thank you. And, and if it, uh, because sometimes people, uh, some people that opt to adopt might have been trying to conceive previously 
or they might still be trying to conceive and also trying to adopt. Is this a problem if someone is currently trying to conceive, perhaps doing fertility treatments or trying naturally, but also considering adoption? Is that a barrier or something that is not um, looked at favorably in the whole process? Um, it is a barrier if they're trying to conceive and, and adopt at the same time. What we try to avoid is the chances of an adopted child being displaced by the arrival of, of a new child early in the placement. Um, right. So what we'd ask is that adopters who are trying to conceive complete that fertility journey and then have a six month break to process kind of anything that comes up as a result of, of that treatment, be it fertility treatment or whether they're, they're conceiving naturally. Um, because what we know about this is that, that it's often a loss. Being unable to conceive naturally is often a loss for people. Um, yes. And so we kind of, we recommend counselling following that just to allow them to process that grief so that they're then emotionally resilient enough to embark on the adoption process. Right. That's really great that, that you, you highlighted the importance of counselling as well, because uh, like you rightly said, the whole process of trying to conceive and not being able to do that or achieve that uh, goal or dream can be quite uh, heartbreaking for people. So it's important that, uh, you know, they take enough time and support to be able to uh, get through those emotions and the grief. Yeah, definitely. We, we really champion counselling and, you know, being as, as emotionally resilient and, and resolved as, as you can be, really. Right. So if a person is trying to conceive and that didn't work out or anybody else listening, trying to adopt and listening to the fact that PACT exists in a system, what is the benefit of using your agency as opposed to someone going to a local authority directly? Um, so PACT work with local authorities and regional adoption agencies on a national scale. So if you adopt through PACT, it means that we have access to children on a national scale. If you, were oh. to, if you were to adopt through a local authority, you'd only have access to the um, children that they hold on their records. And right. so adopting through an agency, because we, we work with local authorities nationally, we have, um, it also helps to safeguard placements because of course we're then placing children who live quite a distance away from the local authority that they grew up in, which means they're also living at a distance from birth relatives um, who could pose a, a safeguarding risk. Okay. All right. That's really, that's a great advantage, actually, having that access uh, to the entire country. Uh, and something else I've actually heard, um, I'm not sure if it applies in the UK, but here in Nigeria, I've heard people, uh, and I haven't confirmed this, but from talking to friends that wanted to adopt, they mentioned that um, uh, the sex of the adopter and the child uh, needs to match. So, for example, if it's a, a woman trying to adopt, she can only adopt a girl, child, and not a boy, and vice versa. Uh, is this the same in the UK or with Pat, or does, does that not matter? No, in the UK, that, that doesn't apply at all. Um, our aim really is to match children with adopters um, where, where those needs can be met. So a, a singular person can adopt, you can be married and adopt, you can adopt children of um, a different sex to you, you can adopt right. a child a variety of age groups it, yeah we don't we don't have kind of bars on on that okay what about the age of the adoptive adopter does that matter is there a, a like a maximum age limit 
there's no maximum age limit. The minimum would be 18, um, but there's no upper limit. Um, we consider, you know, people from a variety of age groups. But in saying that, during assessment, what we, we would look at is someone's ability to care for a child into their adulthood. So for applicants who may be at the older end of the scale, um, we may then match them with children that are slightly older um, so that they can then parent that child into their adulthood. Okay. And does it matter? Uh, I know you, we talked about it not mattering if the age or the sex of the person that wants to adopt. What about transracial adoption? Is that possible? Um, transracial adoption is something that is possible, but um, only if the applicant, you know, has experience of the child's ethnicity and is also able to promote the child's heritage within their own network. It's really important that um, a child's identity is, is maintained. Um, but these are factors that we'd look at in the home study. And our, our, our aim is always to be child focused, really, and to place children in adoptive placements um, with those people that can meet their needs. And that's really inclusive of their cultural and racial identity. Well said, thank you for sharing that. Um, because oftentimes I've, I've heard even maybe watching movies or listening to um, sessions where people have mentioned, highlighted the difficulties, sometimes not understanding uh, different ethnic backgrounds and not being able to support the child while growing to ensure that they are getting access to the, the ethnic backgrounds as well uh, while they're growing up. So. Um, yeah. I think it's great, like, yeah, go ahead. No, just, it, it's um, such a complex issue, I think. And I think people with the best will in the world, you know, want to adopt children for outside of their race. Um, we know that there's, there's more children of BME heritage that are available for adoption than there are, say, white British children. And I think people, you know, want to help and want to be able to do that, which is, which is lovely. Um, but what we, we know about children, and particularly my role in, in birth records counselling, actually, is that children that are in placements where their, their racial identity isn't kind of reflected from their parentage do struggle with identity issues later in life. Um, you know, so it's, it's really important for that child as they, as they grow and develop, especially in those, those difficult years. You know, adolescence is extremely difficult for an adopted child as it is let alone an adopted child who um, feels different also because their parents may not reflect who they are culturally. Um, right. Things like a lived experience of racism, being able to empathise is, is, is great, but a lived experience of that, um, you know, is, is a lot more beneficial for a child in terms of feeling like they fit, feeling like they're understood and feeling like they're heard. Um, so, so yeah, we, we put great focus on, on matching children with, with the right parents. Thank you. Uh, very important for people to, to know that just in case they're wondering about that as well. And what are some of the challenges that you face in terms of society's understanding of adoption? Um, so I guess there's, there's many kind of misconceptions about adoption. Um, and those include uh, things like the need to be married. For example, you don't need to be married. You can be a single applicant. Um, you can be uh, co cohabiting. Um, I guess other things are that adoption takes years. I mean, it, it is a long process from start to finish, you know, from the point in which you would inquire about adoption to the point in which an adoption order is made. Um, it can take sort of up to a year, 18 months, but it, it doesn't take years and years and years um, 
to adopt by any means. Um, that you need to be rich. Uh, you don't need to be rich to adopt. <laughs> but you can demonstrate that you can live within your means, really, and afford to care for a child. Um, and I think, yeah, I think those are the, the kind of main main misconceptions. I also that adoption is, like I said earlier, I think very intrusive and very challenging. Um, yeah. But our aim, our aim is not to pry into the lives of people, but to make a thorough assessment of, of their experiences and situations, again, so that we can match them with the right children and children that are best suited to them. Thank you. And, you know, of course, you, you mentioned, you mentioned the quite a few misconceptions that we have in this different societies globally about adoption. So what, in your opinion, can we all do to raise awareness and support for adoptees and ad adopters as well? I think keep talking about it really and, and, and spreading the word. I think doing lots of research, um, joining any groups that are adoption kind of focused, taking part in events that uh, raise awareness such as marketing events. In the UK, we have National Adoption Week, which PACT is involved in um, every year. Um, and just, yeah, just, just kind of reading up and, and knowing, upskilling yourself, knowing as much about it as, as you can, particularly around the needs of vulnerable children, children in the looked after system, um, and how to how we kind of parent those children. We, we use a technique called therapeutic parenting. Um, so I would I would really kind of yeah research those sorts of things to to best prepare and find out more about it. Definitely, we can, we all need to educate ourselves much better, and just be aware as you've uh, mentioned. And for anyone listening and wanting to contact yourself or go through PACT, what's the best way to reach you? Um, if they contact our inquiries team, um, they can point them in the direction of, of where they need to go. For example, you can attend a, an information event. Um, you could speak to a social worker directly to, if you've got kind of personal things that you want to discuss. Um, we have question and answer sessions. We've got um, PAC's website's amazing with lots of kind of resources. Our Adopter Hub um, is, is phenomenal. We have lots of training, lots of webinars um, available for people who want to adopt. Um, so yeah, in the first instance, con contact our inquiries team and, and find out more about us. Okay, so then Instagram or your website then? That's yeah, it's on the PAC yeah, okay. website, yeah. Yeah, the website is actually amazing because I've actually watched quite a few videos on there as well. Uh, and they're really, really great. And so we're always really updating it. Sorry? We're always updating it as well. We're always kind of, you know, as research develops, packs develop, we're always, we're never stagnant. We're always kind of, you know, keeping up with the latest research, the latest training um, to really upskill our adopters and our social workers. Great. Thank you for educating us on that as well. Um, uh, before we wrap up, is there anything else that you wish that people would know about the adoption process and your agency, Pat? Um, I would just say that adoption, it really is a truly, truly amazing thing to do, actually. We, you know, our, our social workers guide you through the process as you go along. So you're never alone, you're never without support. Um, and just being able to provide a home for a child who's experienced a really, really challenging start in life is, is one of the most rewarding things you can do. Um, I'd say that children, all children, need love and nurture and stability and consistent care. So if that's something you think that you could do and you're able to provide that, then, you know, please jump on board and, and join our packed family. Well said, Nadine. 
thank you so much for uh, coming on the show today to share all about PACT, but also uh, educate us about adoption and the process. Uh, it's been a real uh, insightful and informative session and um, definitely look forward to having you again in the near future. Thank you very much. Thank you. And we'll have all your details as well in the show notes. So that way, anyone that wants to reach out will be able to reach out to Pat. Brilliant. Thanks for joining us this week on the Fertility Conversations podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please give us a five-star rating and subscribe. Follow us on Instagram at Fertility Conversations. If there are any topics you would like to have discussed, please send an email to fertilityconversations at gmail.com. Be sure to tune in next week for our next episode. Thank you again for listening. Take care of yourself and do stay hopeful.